yeah, I'd basically given up. I remember I was, you know, really thinking I was just going to go to community college. And uh, yeah, I started selling, selling phones at Target. I really packed on the pounds. I got up to 170 pounds. I was down and out. We can endure anything and adapt and pivot and change. Wrestling gave us that ability. I would say nothing in life has impacted me more than the things wrestling has taught me in terms of self-reflection, resilience. Toughness. Some guys have it, some guys don't. Adversity, 100%. How to pick myself up and be a man after I failed. And everything that has shaped my life and where I'm at today would not be there without the values and basically the lessons I've learned through the sport of wrestling. For me, wrestling saved my life because it, it allowed me to focus and channel my energy. We're fortunate if you wrestled because if you wrestled, natural talent helps, but it's, it's 5% of the ingredient. It pales in comparison to heart and technique and effort. It humbled me, taught me humility. Nothing can hit, humble you more than wrestling. I think it's the learning to adapt, right? You learn, you learn how to adapt, you learn how to solve problems. You know, if I look back at my time, I spent wrestling. If it gave me one thing more than anything else, it's mental toughness. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Wrestling Changed My Life podcast. It's your host, Ryan Warner, coming to you from Chicago IL on Monday, December 4th. What a weekend of wrestling at the CKLV out in Vegas. I'm having Earl Smith on the podcast tomorrow to break down all the action from Vegas. But for now, let's get to this episode with the great Seth Gross, NCAA champion for South Dakota State, their first Division I champion in any sport, two-time All-American, world team member, currently the assistant at Wisconsin. It was great to have Seth on the podcast and to hear about his story. Fan of the Week goes to our friend Ryan Riggs. That's at Riggs Elite on Twitter. University of Mount Union head coach. Thank you so much for all the support, Ryan. Greatly appreciate it. And thanks to everyone out in the Alliance, Ohio region who's listening to the show. Last but not least, folks, this episode is brought to you by our sponsor, the wrestling consultant, Teague Moore, NCAA champion for Oklahoma State, a two-time Division I head coach, started this company he helps college wrestlers find the best college program. Really enjoyed working with Teague, and I can't wait for you guys to check out this service. Go to thewrestlingconsultant.com to schedule your first appointment, thewrestlingconsultant.com. Without further ado, let's get to this interview with the great Seth Gross. All right, Seth Gross, welcome to the podcast. Thank you, thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm fired up. Very excited, man. I love the love the Wisconsin staff. And I think uh, before we get into your story, first bit of news is that you registered for 65 kgs at the U.S. Senior Nationals. Is this your first time at 65? Um, so I've wrestled probably. So I wrestled the Bill Farrell about a year and a half ago, or yeah, about a year and a half ago at 65, and then I wrestled two back when COVID and all those super cards and all that. I wrestled two two matches at 65. Um, so I've wrestled, but I wasn't a, really a 65 kilo guy at the time but this time since since world trials last year i've really committed to just getting bigger getting stronger and being a full 65 kilo guy because i wasn't going back down to 57 i did that last uh 
Olympic cycling, it, it crushed me a little bit. And I don't think I got a lot better at wrestling during that period of time. So I made the decision to go up and yeah, I have him. I got reader by my side, but I've been lifting five days a week for since, since then pretty much. And uh, we've been really doing it the right way. We go get Dex scans every couple months and, and just been building up that lean muscle. So um, I'm where I, where I want to be now for that 65 kilo run. And uh, I'm looking forward to getting back out there. What's a DEXA scan? Uh, so, so it's pretty cool. It, it just scans your entire body. You lay down on this thing at 10 minutes scan, scans your body, and then it tells you how much lean muscle you have, how much uh, bone bone mass you have, how much fat you have. And it goes as far as to tell you, like, like I, we do it every couple months, and it'll be like, you gained X amount of muscle in your arms, your legs, your 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 stomach area, or you gained a little fat here. And so it's a great way of just kind of always making sure you're on the right track and adjusting as you go. And so that, that's the cool thing about it, right? We got on this weightlifting schedule and I was putting a lot of weight on in my upper body, but not a ton of my, my legs. So it was like, all right, we're going to adjust. We're going to do a lot more legs. All right. You put a lot of weight on your legs. That's good. Now let's keep kind of doing full body stuff. And so it's easy way to tweak and make sure you're getting exactly what you want to. Um, so I've been pretty, pretty consistent with just continuing to get those. And um, it's just a, a very powerful tool to, you know, when you're trying to put on weight to, to be able to see, you know, am I actually gaining the right type of weight or I'm just getting fatter, you know, you know, so it's been, it's been good and uh, very helpful. Bro, I don't want to see the DEXA scan of my love handles, bro. I don't, <laughs> it doesn't matter how much I run anything. It's just, these things won't go away. Hey, I'm with you. I say that's the first place when I put on any sort of weight right to the hips. I'm like, man, yeah. why can't it be somewhere a little better? But so is reader still getting after it in the gym? Oh my goodness. This dude's an animal. He, he is, he is falling in love with lifting. So this dude, this dude could lift 50 times a week if, 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 if he could. So he, he's, he's been doing kind of, kind of the same thing. And this guy's put on like 12 pounds of lean muscle over, over the last period since we kind of started. And yeah, he, he's an animal. He ain't slowing down anytime soon. He's freaking, I think he's got to be the strongest he's ever been. Wow. I mean, that, that picture of him when he won the NCAAs, like that, that's one of the most epic pictures of all time. And he's so jacked already. I mean, I can only imagine. So yeah, what kind of, so get, what no, kind of sorry, workouts you guys cut you off, but get, oh. get this. I think he, I want to say, did he won at 165, right? The year he won or was it 174? Might've gone up to 74. Yeah. Then you went up to 74, but on his last deck, so he had 173 pounds of lean muscle. <laughs> Of lean muscle. So he basically has the amount of lean muscle for the weight class he wrestled, if that tells you how how much uh, strength this guy's put on. So he's absolutely crushing it. That's amazing. What workouts are you guys doing? Um, it, it, we got a great strength and conditioning guy here. And so it, it's really focused on just one. Now it's a little different as I'm getting closer. I'm on a different plan than, than reader is now. Um, and then I'll get back on it after, but when we were really putting on size and strength, you really just focus on one area a day, right? Today's we did multiple, usually two times a week of legs, but then, then you got chest days, um, back day. And then on top of that, this guy's really, or our guy's really big on mobility. So we start each day with a big mobility workout get into the grunts of the lift and so it's pretty pretty much you know you do one focus area and then it gives you a whole week to recover till you hit that focus area again so it's pretty pretty good that's got to be so much better than sucking down to to 125 and a half oh i can eat what i want i feel good i got good energy and then yeah no it's it's I, I when I went down to 57 kilos, I don't think I remember like the whole 
year before like making that way just because I was like I feel like I was a ghost like during that time a little, a little skeleton walking around like it's crazy you don't realize either like looking back at pictures during the time it's like dude that is not healthy like what was wrong with you what were you it, eating oh I was not eating hardly anything like and that's one thing too like so this DEXA place I also do it's called the arresting metabolic rate and I think I killed my metabolism when I went down to 57 kilos because when I got on that RMR, the resting metabolic rate, my body was only burning 1100 calories a day of just like, if I just sat here, I'd only burn 1100 calories a day, which is extremely low. And so I've also been trying to build that up a lot. And over the past four or five months, I've gotten that up to 1600, which is still right. I'm hoping to get it closer to 1800, 2000, but it's crazy to see like what other impacts, like you don't really notice what weight cutting really does to you. There's so many different little things that, right. It's hurting in the long run, right. The 1100 meta or rest of metabolic rate is terrible. And so that's been, been another big thing of it, but yeah, it's crazy. You look at the data and you're like, man, never doing that again. Well, it's good to hear you're up at, at 65. How many weeks until the tournament? Uh, I think so. Two weeks from tomorrow, I think. No, no, I'm different day. I'm a, a 16 and 17, whatever, whatever that is. Yeah. So maybe it's two weeks from tomorrow. Uh, two weeks. Right. Yeah. And what top, top six go to Olympic trials? Top five. And I'm, I'm already qualified for the trials, but I just want to get, get some matches in at, uh, at 65 kilo and we'll see. I'll hopefully, hopefully pick up some international stuff in January, February time and get overseas for a couple. But yeah, just trying to get that experience now at the weight class and, see how I feel and see what adjustments I got to make. Especially since you have that taste of the world team. I, I got to imagine like once you make team USA and you're at the world championships, there's nothing like that. Yeah. Oh, that was, it, it was amazing. And it, it, that experience uh, of making the team and being around David Taylor, Jordan Burroughs, Kyle Dake, all these guys who are winning at the highest level and, and seeing how they go about their business. Like it, it kind of re-inspired and relit a fire in me to, you know, you're capable of doing that too. And so it, it was cool being on that team and right. Fell short in that medal match, but, but uh, you know, I think I'm even, even better set for the 65 kilo weight class. So I'm excited. And uh, yeah, I mean, world team was sweet, but Olympic Olympic team would be even cooler. So man, and it, at a proper Olympics too, right? Tokyo was no fans. I mean, Paris, it's going to be, yeah. it's going to be awesome. When you talk about, you know, the decision to go to 65 and not cutting as much. I stumbled upon an old podcast you did with Ben Askren. And you guys were talking about when you were a freshman at Apple Valley, you sucked down from like 130 to 103. So, dude, you've been 130 since like you're 13 years old. Yeah. Yeah. And it's, it's crazy looking back at that. It's absolutely crazy. I mean, granted, as an eighth grader, I was very chunky, very, very thick. Like I, I shouldn't have been 130. Um, I was, I was a pudgy, pudgy middle schooler, like big old love handles, like <laughs> my mom, not, not good, not good. So it was, it was a different 130, obviously, but yeah, I was, I was 130 and, and that's when, and I don't even like to think like, even for our college guys, I don't like to think about it as, is cutting weight, right? It should, it should be, you're doing the right things nutritionally and you're leaning your body out to be as competitive as you can at the weight class. The only thing you should really ever be cutting is a little bit of water the days before. Like it, it shouldn't be like, I know when I was in high school and when I was making one Oh three, 
I was eating like two, I don't, the, like the, I don't know if you know what power bars are, but like two oh, power yeah. bars, two apples and like two bottles of water. And that was it for the day. That was your lunch. I, that was your whole day. That was my whole day for breakfast. I'd wake up, I'd have an apple. I'd eat a couple power bars throughout a day. Another apple for day. Like it was the word, like, I don't know what, uh, no, nobody, nobody taught you in high school, really what, what you're doing to cut weight. You know, right. it's like you, if you want to make the team, you better get to one Oh three. So it was kind of figure it out or don't be on the team. And it, it's just crazy looking back, like how you have no, you know, the high schoolers just aren't taught at, at that level, what, what it should look like. And then I know when I went up, you know, the next couple of years, it was like, I'd still, I'd make weight and then I'd have hot Cheetos in an energy drink or something after weigh-ins. And it's <laughs> like, what are you doing? And, and so it, it, it's crazy, you know, but yeah. Who, and the other thing, right. I was 138 as, as a senior in high school. And then I ended up going down to 33 for most of my college career. And I wasn't cutting a ton of weight actually in college. Like I made 133 pretty easy. So if you just do the right things nutritionally for a long period of time, you should walk around, you know, fairly close, just cutting water weight out to where you want to compete at. But when you were <clears throat> lean and mean at South Dakota State, were you eating more than an apple and a power bar? Or are you eating like actual calories or are you still on yeah. that diet? Yeah, no, no. That was one year. One year in high school was a freshman that I had no idea what I was doing. And then I, I cut a little weight maybe here and there, but the rest of my high school career wasn't wasn't very hard to make weight. And then um I get into college. I wrestled 41 as a freshman. And then I decide, hey, and I, I wrestled 141 and I was pretty much eating however I wanted. I didn't wasn't on a diet. I wasn't really right. Maybe I'd restrict a little bit of calories when I was getting close. Um, but I still had a little bit of love handles at 41. I did okay, but you know, then I committed that year to like, hey, I'm only putting the right things into my body. I didn't necessarily count a ton of calories or macros or anything, but I was just like, I'm going to eat clean, whole foods year round. And, and so I year did round. that. So no like cheat yeah, days. Round. I try. I mean, granted, I, I, I'd say the times I did cheat would be like, I would tell myself, Hey, you go win this tournament. Boom. You can have a, you can have a pizza or that would kind of be my reward is like, Hey, go win something. And then you can have a good meal after. Um, so, but outside of that, I really just dedicated myself to eating clean, doing the right things. Nutritionally, I made uh 60 kilos for the junior world team trials. And that was kind of the best I'd wrestled since I'd been in college. And I was like, man, 30, 133 is my weight class. And before you got there, you were, you had this legendary career at Apple Valley. And this is during the time when there was this program in Illinois, one of my favorite programs, Oak Park River Forest, OPRF. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Remember those guys? Oh, I remember. I remember Larry Early and Isaiah White were the two that I would wrestle all the time. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know you wrestled they... Isaiah. I, I did know you wrestled Larry at the Clash one year. Or maybe it was, yep. it was a Clash or Cheesehead? Clash. Uh, so I wrestled Larry probably eight times. Oh, really? Probably wrestled him eight times or more throughout my high school career. We'd wrestle at Fargo. We'd wrestle at Nat, like folk style nationals. We wrestled at the Clash. Like we would wrestle everywhere. And and crazy enough, the only time he ever beat me was the very last one at the Clash. Oh really? So, <laughs> so I, I beat him every time. First time he ever beat me was the Clash, and uh, that's the last time I got to wrestle him. So that, that kind of sucked. But Off but the yeah, call. they were. We were we were number one in the country. They were number two in the country, and we wrestled them at the clash. Um, and that was kind of number one versus number two. And our 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 head coach was kind of like 
big on like manipulating the lineup and putting guys here and there and whatever. And, and he was like, you've always beaten later. Like I weighed in at 132 or no, no, we switched. So I ended up the second day I weighed in, I weighed in 132 the first day, second day I weighed in at like 136, whatever, weighed in at 138. So I could bump up to 145 he's like dude you've never lost to this guy like we're gonna bump you up and then we think this guy can keep it close with isaiah white and then we got this kid who will win it like he was all over the place um and i ended up freaking going out there and losing um and luckily luckily well a couple of our little guys had had some bonus points and i came down to the very last match and we ended up winning the duel and in pretty crazy fashion but i I, when i want to say that we started at like 160 so like it, it came down like uh, me versus early was one of the big ones and i ended up losing so they had a chance and then uh whoever our 52 pounder i think sealed the deal for us those are the teams with like kamal bay uh i yeah. mean isaiah white and you guys had what you had you had was mark hall and gabe on those teams too yep yep mark hall gable we had manville i think that, that year <laughs> um then we had a couple just like uh minnesota boys the wayward brothers were really really good and one was three-time state champ at the weight right under me and then yeah our teams were really really good so my my freshman year and senior year we were number one in the country those two years and how does it work in minnesota is apple valley a public school or a private school public school but right that's why we got a lot of heat in minnesota because those those years we were made up of maybe five kids from apple valley and then the rest of the kids were from all over the place so i mean i don't know what i don't know what our coach was doing but everybody wanted to be at apple valley and he he wasn't gonna say no so in Minnesota, do you have to move in the district or can you live out of the district and go there? Uh, you got, yeah, they all moved in the district. So all, all the guys that ended up coming moved there, families moved there. And so, yeah, you had to move inside the district. That's when it gets real, when families are moving wholesale. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that happened a lot. I mean, mm-hmm. everywhere, right? I mean, there was a, Bettendorf got really good when I was, right after yep. I got out of high school, they were they were coming on. Now, so did were you one of the kids who, went to the like Apple Valley middle schools or did you move in after having like a stellar middle school career? No, I was, yeah. So I was in the Apple Valley system since I was six years old. Oh wow! Um, so, yeah. I, I was a part of, yeah. Kind of that grassroots at Apple Valley came up through it. And uh, yeah, so I, I was one of the probably five or six guys on the, on the starting lineup that were born and raised Apple Valley kids. Wow. And that's just crazy. The fact that like some kids, are born in the situation like you know and i know your dad was huge in your life and you guys put in tremendous time but like you just go in when you're six years old and your club is like apple valley <laughs> that's, yeah. no, that's awesome. it, it's crazy and you don't realize that when you're a kid going through it like like it is crazy just you know being you know a college coach now and going around the country to all these different high schools and and seeing some guys have it really good and other guys have literally nothing right you got like like it's crazy to me when you go to a high school where there's they got one superstar and like and you're like how did he get good here right like there's right. he's got like five partners and he's got like the wrestling room's freaking one tiny mat it's like that's great that's impressive like i it made me you know i it was the other day i was at one and i realized that and i was like man i was spoiled I had 10, 10 amazing partners. I had an amazing wrestling room. Like our coaching staff, looking back on it, was unbelievable. Like we had multiple national champ type guys. We had D2 uh, coach who was 
three-time D2 runner-up. We had, I don't know if you know, Matt Demery. His dad was one of our yeah. coaches. Um, it, it was stacked. We had one of the guys that has, like, top five most most points in Oklahoma State history that was one of our coaches. Like, we had we had so many coaches there. And I it just, you know, you don't even think about that when you're going through it. You're just like, it's just normal to you because that's the only thing you know. And, and then, you know, now it's looking back. It's like, wow, I, I had it really good. That's why I was, you know, able to do what I was able to do. Who was like the the ringleader of it all? The main guy, uh, Jim Jackson. Got Jim it. Jackson. He's still coaching. So, um, so I believe he's at a smaller school in Minnesota. So he stepped down my junior year, and um, he he took a couple years off of coaching, and he went back to Shakopee, Minnesota, and he kind of did the same thing there. Brought a bunch of guys in. They won a couple state titles, and then he stepped down there too, and. Okay. Got out of it again, and now uh, he must just get the itch to keep getting back in it because now he's somewhere else uh, at a smaller school. But, yeah, he does a, a really good job of, right, creating that environment, bringing people in, bringing a ton of really good coaches in. And, you know, when you build it, people just naturally want to want to show up there. So he he does an amazing job. Yeah, well, there's – it's fun building something. You know, like mm-hmm. taking something from nothing to something has got to be a lot of fun. Yep. And, and I give him a lot of credit because he was a guy who he was very good at recognizing his weak points and his strengths. And I don't think he ever showed any technique in the room. I don't (laughs) think he ever was, you know, Matt side screaming certain things. Like he brought in people that he knew was really good at doing that. He knew his strengths was kind of running a business, right? He was kind of the CEO type guy. He knew where to put people, how to put people in place. And then his other thing that he, he, like I said, he was really good at was kind of just finding the right matchups and duels and moving guys around. But he did a good job of, if I'm not good at something, I'm going to find somebody that is, I'm not going to try to do everything. Right. And that, I think that's a huge part of success as a team. Yeah. Now, especially when you're, when you're kind of program building like that, putting the right people in place, that's key. And I think a lot of wrestling coaches, as they move up through the ranks, you know, I wonder how, how difficult that is to do or not to, you know, I think about like a, uh, it's kind of weird cause you're a coach, but I'm talking to you as a wrestling fan, but like you think about like yeah. a Kevin dresser, right? Like he seems yeah. like that to me. Like, I don't know how much he's in there and he's kind of, he yeah. did that in Virginia, but yeah, yeah. It's, there's all kinds of approaches, man. And, and when you look at your high school career, three times state champ, three-time Fargo champ, what was your turning point? Like, was that eighth grade year when you were cutting in 103? Did you have a big a big turning point that year? When did it happen for you? So I would say, like, confidence-wise and realizing, like, hey, I can do this was uh, – so after my – I got third as a freshman. I lost in to Tommy Thorne in the semis. And, and finally, I was like, man, I'm going to – I could eat again. So I, I put on some weight, and then I ended up wrestling 112 at Fargo. And I was in an absolutely loaded bracket. And if I'm going to be a hundred percent honest with you, I didn't, you know, I was hoping maybe I could sneak in and be an all American like that. That was kind of the goal that I don't even know if I really believed that. Um, but I wrestled Greco and freestyle and, and I was never a big Greco guy, but it was like, all right, well, Greco just freaking go try, go try things, leave it out there. Um, and I go out in Greco and I beat like a really good kid, like a kid who is top five in the country, um, was supposed to be really good. I think threw him in a headlock at the end or something. And for whatever reason, that kind of was like going into freestyle. I was like, I just beat that dude. And I was on his side again. I was like, I could beat him again. 
right? Like I was feeling kind of, kind of like what, what separates you? Like you just beat, I know it's a different style, but you just did that. Like, let's go try to do this. And, um, you know, it was, I, I lost actually. So this is back when you could lose um, matches and still win the tournament. Mm-hmm. And so, I had guys like, I know Joey McKenna was on my side. Uh, Barlow McGee was the kid who was, who was really good at the time. Rock Island, um, Illinois, baby. Rock yep. Island, Illinois. Yeah, he was a monster, man. He was a monster. Uh, Josh Elber, he was in there. Um, but just just loaded from top to bottom on our uh, on my side of the bracket. And I, I kind of just got on a run, and I had a crazy one. I lose to McKenna. And that's where I kind of, kind of put my head down and I had to buy the next round. And my coach was like, come on, we got to get, we got to get this. You're still in great spot to be an all American. I think I had to still win two or three more. Um, and I go watch and Barlow McGee takes out McKenna in a crazy <laughs> match And McKenna. So here, here's kind of the, the twist to it. McKenna doesn't score a single point. Ah. Um, Barlow. So when you look back at like kind of how, if, if you're in a round or round Robin of it, Right now, now McKenna's going to have the least points regardless. Um, So I go out there, I win a really close one to Elber, um, and that kind of knocks him into the seventh and eighth. And now it's me, McKenna, and Barlow are in the final round robin uh, piece (laughs) of the bracket. And I got to wrestle Barlow and um, crazy three period. Actually, I'm pretty sure he texts me the first period. And then this is back when it's three period. Um, you just got to win two out of three. And I think I snuck out like a close one, a close one. And however it lied, I, I had equal points to Barlow, but since I beat him head to head, I went to the finals, Barlow went for third, McKenna went for fifth. And, uh, but that was, that was the tournament that kind of changed a lot for me, like mentally, like, man, I could do this. I could do this and I could be, you know, one of the best guys in the country. Yeah. How fast was Barlow, man? He was quick, man. His double leg. So I, he texted me that same year at Folk Style Nationals, or almost texted me. <laughs> and he was yeah. so strong, man. Like so I, strong. uh, yeah. No, that's funny. I haven't heard that name in a while. And he was a, I wouldn't say a friend, but like a, a good acquaintance, man. I, I really enjoyed watching him. His dad was so nice. Yeah, their family's amazing. I, I always loved running in and talk to him and his, him and his dad. Uh, so. Yeah, he. He was one of the dads you'd watch in the corner and he literally would be on all fours, like barking sometimes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. They were amazing. Yeah. He was, he was, he was a beast, man. He was, he could wrestle. Wow. Quick. Yeah. So that it's interesting that, so going into the tournament, you said you didn't know if you even thought you could all American, let alone win it. So like, if you have that mindset going in, how are you still able to pull it together and not have like self doubt or like any fear when you're wrestling these guys? And so there, there's kind of another huge piece of it kind of was the making the weight part. So yeah, I went up to 112, but that was still extremely hard for me. And I actually wrestled Greco, made 112. And right after I made weight, I kind of talked to the coaches like, hey, I can't make 112 for freestyle. Like I'm not, I, and they told me, okay, that's fine. And so I wrestled Greco. There's like a day and a half gap yeah. between Greco and freestyle. I wrestled Greco. And they come back and they're like, hey, we just realized that we only had, like somehow with the qualifications and spot we had, they were like, dude, you got to make 112 or you can't wrestle. And by this time I had ate and like crazy, ate and drank. And I remember I had Golden Corral oh, um, yeah. after Greco was over because I was going 119 and I was like, man, I can, I'm good. And so they tell me, hey, you got to get down to 112 again or you're not going to be able to wrestle freestyle. And so I'm like freaking out. I'm probably like, 
10, 15 pounds over with a day and a half to go. And uh, were you, were you I definitely no 10 over. Were you definitely double digits? It was right around double digits at least. Yeah, for sure. Wow. And he, and so it's funny. My buddy was, so the kid from Apple Valley, Malu Wayward, he was at the weight under me. It was also at Fargo and he had planned on doing the same thing. So we're kind of in the same boat. Like we had talked about it after Greco, Malu was going to go 112. I was going to go 119. All was good. And then, and then they were like, we screwed up, like the, <laughs> how the qualifications work. So we're both in the same boat in our hotel. I'll never forget this. We threw on friggin' plastics and it's 110 degrees outside. And there was this famous day is right by our hotel. And we would just, we just ran around it for as long as we could until we were about <laughs> to fall over and just ran around it. And, um, we were up like like that first run. We maybe got four or five off, and then we take a break, and then we freaking get out there. And you know, by the time we we're like four or five over, like it felt like weight was not coming off. And right, this is just I, I still have like if I think about it, it was the worst time of my life. I remember then after that, we got on the treadmill, and then we made the sauna in the bathroom, and oh. we're sitting there. Our coaches like get like at the point like get in there and trying to shut the door on us. And, and we're like, can we just have a little couple ice cubes and like wanting to cry. And uh, like, I, I, I was a hundred percent sure I wasn't making weight. I don't know how I got through that. Like we did not get to sleep that night. Seriously. Like, you we, were not working to sleep. Out? we were up all night trying to make weight. And it was just like, we do it. We get, get some weight off and then we'd sit there and lay down for an hour and try to get ready to do it again. And, and it was miserable. And I remember that next day, just like thinking, like, as I got going, like I did not do all that to like to lose. <laughs> like there's no way I went through what I just went through to go out there and get my butt kicked. And so I had that running through my mind all day long. Like, dude, you just were up all night losing weight. Do it like you can't lose. Like, like you, you know, and then that, that was kind of what was going through my head. I know nobody else did what I had to do last night. I, I, I did. And I convinced myself that I deserve to win. And, you know, and my record results, it was like, I know I can beat these guys. I went through that. Like, did you all get this done? Nope. I so I lost to McKenna and then I lost to James Flint from Florida and they got first and third in, in Greco. So it was the two Damn. our side was loaded. Our side was loaded. Like all the guys on our side in Greco beat the beat the other sides um in the like crossover matches. But yeah, so I lost a close one to James Flint. McKenna kind of beat me up a little bit in Greco. Um but I beat some good guys along the way, so I was like, I could do this. And um yeah. I feel like wrestling Greco really like for your first time at Fargo really just kind of takes the pressure off of the the freestyle, right? You've had some matches, you've been in the Fargo dome. Like my first year out, I only did freestyle. I remember I wrestled 103 as a freshman. I cut down to 98 for Fargo and I hit a growth spurt. So I was like going from like 114 out of 98. We get there and like all the Greco guys, they're like you said, they're just kind of hanging out. Yeah. They had such a better perspective on the tournament because of already being in there. Like I couldn't agree more with doing Greco at least the first couple of years. Yeah. It's like, you, you got the lay of the land, you know what it's going to be like. It's just the familiarity of it, you know, instead of just walking to, into the unknown. And yeah. yeah, I think, I think that always helps. I mean, I think you see that at the national tournament, right? Once you wrestled one national tournament, the next one's a little bit easier just because you know what you're, you're walking into. Like first time walking into NCAs with 20,000 fans or whatever it is, 
it's a little bit overwhelming regardless. And so yeah, I think any any familiarity you can get with a place or, or or you know a tournament is great. Now, when you get to your to your first stop in college, how long were you at Iowa before you would say like you were kind of diverging off the path of what you would want to be as a like as a college athlete? Yeah, and I, right so away? I was I was there pretty much my whole freshman year. And um, it was literally, yeah, the night after the guys went to nationals that I had gotten in, in trouble there. And that's when things went downhill pretty quick. But I was there my entire um, freshman campaign, wrestled that whole year. And so I was, yeah, I was around. Doing the right things or kind of like living like the double life of like doing the right things, but also having fun. Crazy enough, I was actually doing like I, the first time I drank in college was the night that I got in trouble. So that was the first time I drank in, in college. And granted, they won the downhill spiral January, February time. I got injured pretty bad. It was a very weird injury, but I chipped a bone in my knee and, the, and my ankle at the same time. And um, so I had this big cast on, on my leg and I couldn't do anything. Like I couldn't, mm-hmm. you know, there, I couldn't lift. I couldn't, there's nothing I could do. And so I still did, wasn't drinking, but I started hanging around the people that were. I started, you know, going, going, being around some parties, being around probably some wrong influences, people that didn't have the same goals, people, you know, that weren't athletes. And, and that's when it started kind of tumbling in. And, and when somebody hasn't really drank and I drank, you know, I drank a little in high school and got some, you know, in high school, but I hadn't in college and, when you haven't drank in a long time and then you drink for the first time, right? It can, it can get pretty bad. And, um, yeah. So that, that night I got in trouble was the first time I drank in at the university of Iowa. It's crazy how influential the people you hang around are. Like when I, I've been at the company I'm at now for five years, I went to a startup for a year, wasn't having the success right away. And all of a sudden you start, talking to the other reps who aren't having success and then you're bitching about the same things whereas the people who are doing the right things they're they're looking at the same thing but a different way it's like and when i left my exit interview that one of the sales leaders like yeah you just start talking to the wrong people and i'm like oh it's so true and like it it only takes it you don't even notice it's happening sometimes 100 percent, and you it's so true in 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 anything you know you the the culture right the culture and you 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 need to find the people that are like-minded and have that same same culture as you right you don't have to maybe think the exact same as everybody but that positivity and the same similar goals and you guys are all striving for something but right negative negativity can sap you or people doing the wrong things it can change you quick right for the good or the better depending on who who you choose to put put in your life and spend your time with so in that first semester when you were going, were you wrestling that with like Clark and Ramos or who were your guys? Yeah, Gilman, Clark, Ramos, Josh Cheba, Brent Metcalf. Like it was, it was, it was loaded. And like in my mind, I was trying to be the starter still that whole year. Like I was wrestling off the one forty one pounder, Josh Cheba. Um, he was probably tenth in the country at the time. And uh, I remember we did like a best of three series. He beat me two matches. I beat him in one of them. Um, but like. I went in there with like, I'm going to be the guy. Like I'm going to, I'm going to go as a true freshman and obviously things didn't work out, but I, I had made a lot, a lot of jumps in my wrestling. Um, That was the first time I'd been on a real strength program. So I was finally getting some strength and size on. Um, mm-hmm. So it was, it was a great situation. And you, cause you know, coming from a really good program, you're wrestling high level guys in high school, 
were you going pretty even right away or did you have some struggles in like your first, you know, the, the September, the August, the November of your first year there? I I had some success pretty early on, like not like beating the guys right away, but I was getting takedowns right when I got there and, and making it tough on them. Like, and like you said, right. It, it reminded me of Apple Valley because as a freshman, I was probably one of the worst guys in the room at Apple Valley. Like everybody was a state champ and it was like, you're a 103 pounder so I'm getting beat beat on by everybody but figuring it out right little takedowns here and that was always I think one of my strengths or superpowers in high school was like I didn't care you know I was used to getting beat up and so I would call it a win if I just took down the 120 pound state champ that day and I would I would I would talk a little bit like dude you just got took down by a 103 pounder (laughs) you should beat me but I freaking you know and and I'd always be like that and so for me it was like hey this is just another 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 obstacle right another food chain you got to work your way up of and so that was my mindset going in and I didn't beat up anybody or I mean I probably got beat up a little bit right when I got there but it wasn't like like that hope, you know, I see how some freshmen, it's like, it was more like, all right, now I got to rise to the challenge type. And uh, so I, I by, by mid year, I was in there scrapping with those guys. That's, I didn't see, that's cool that you were full into it. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't remember exactly when everything happened, but so you're there a full year after everything happens and you're looking for a new home. I heard that you, you really couldn't find anywhere. And so you end up working at target. Yeah. What, ha- what happens next? Yeah. So I, after I get in trouble, right. All that kind of pans out. I go to jail and get, get kicked off the team. And at first, I I mean, I just assumed like nobody, nobody's going to want you to wrestle again. Like that, that was kind of my assumption. But with that being said, you know, I took some time and I was like, I'll see, you know, if anybody's interested. And I basically had committed to Minnesota like after this all happened, I eventually got in contact with them. And I was like, Hey, I'm in, like, I want to be close to home. I want to be close to my family. Like I screwed up and they were like, you know, yeah, let's, let's get this done. Yeah. Was Jay still there? Jay Robinson was still there. And so, um, I think I'm, I think it's done do a deal. I've applied to school, like going through the process. And then one day, one of the coaches, I want to say, might've been Becker. Yeah. I think Luke Becker called me. He's like, Hey, our, our AD is not going to let you come here and wrestle. And so I was like, all right. And like, like I said, I just planned on that. Like that was kind of, you know, I got in trouble. I moved home. Like, let's get this done. And I didn't even talk to any other schools really. And that was just, I thought it was going to happen. So is this like summertime? Like, so that happened in March. Is this like summer after or like a year? Probably early, some early summertime, probably. Um, yeah, probably Juneish time, I would guess. Um, so yeah, it's summertime, and then after that, the only other place that really would even have there was a couple of really small schools that were like farther away, but like a big piece of it was like I wanted to be a little bit closer to home. Um, mm-hmm. so another school I had gone through and talked to a lot was U and I as well. Um, and then it was same thing. I basically almost committed there, and then. It was kind of similar, not the same. They kind of convinced or They were trying to tell me like, hey, you're not allowed to wrestle, but if you come to school here eventually and things sort themselves out in court, you know, maybe you can get on the team. And it was like, man, I'm not, you know, I'm not going to do that. And uh, yeah, I'd basically given up. I remember I was, you know, really thinking I was just going to go to community college um, and work and try to, you know, live, live a kind of normal life without wrestling. 
And uh, I started selling, selling phones at Target. I started, uh, I really packed on the pounds. I got up to 170 pounds. Um, <laughs> chunky, chunky. Like I was eating three in the Target. They had like a little Chipotle right next door. So I was eating Chipotle. I'd be going to Applebee's for dinner every day. Like bad, bad. I was down, I was down and out. And um, I remember as I'm going through this, like, I know my family's worried about me and they, they're kind of been trying to push me to like, I know this isn't what you want. Like keep trying. And one day my aunt kind of, kind of just came into my work out of the blue and she kind of just sat me down and she's like, what are you doing? Like, like, I know you love wrestling and the kind of just like asked me like, do, do you like, do you love wrestling? I was like, yeah, of course I love wrestling. She's like, then have you put your absolute best foot forward to try to keep wrestling? I was like, I mean, I tried with, you know, Minnesota, you and I, and I got turned down and she's like, um, uh, I think there's a whole lot more schools out there. And she kind of asked, you know, are you okay going D2, D3, D1? Like, like, I was like, my goal's always been to be a division one national champ. Like, I don't know if I could do that, but I don't have a problem with that. But, you know, I really like want to chase down that goal. So whatever reason, she kind of talked some sense into me and she was like, Hey, I'm going to find, I'm going to get the contact of every D1 coach that's in the, you know, it, close enough that you'd be okay going there. And we're going to send them an email today. Like we're getting this done and we're going to see if there's any opportunity for you. And so we started, she starts compiling this. My family starts getting together and we just start emailing, you know, and seeing if anybody would let me wrestle on their team. And uh, one of the emails I sent was to, to Bono. And within a couple minutes of me sending that email, I had a response and he was like, I know your story. I know what's going on. Um, basically come, come, come down to South Dakota state as soon as you can. And we can talk. Didn't really, didn't really say much, but like basically said we had to talk face to face. And, um, within, within a week of that email, I was on my way to go meet with coach Bono and I drive down there. And what are you thinking during the drive down? Are you solo or with your parents or, uh, so I had a girlfriend at the time that had went with me. Um, but yeah, yeah. So we drive down and, uh, extremely short visit like i don't know if you've seen south dakota state's wrestling room at that time like there was no showing me around this or that and just basically walked straight up to his office sat down he's like here's the deal i want you to look me in the eye and tell me exactly what happened right i don't want any bull crap and uh, i looked him in the eye and i got a pending court case going on like i probably shouldn't be telling everybody all these details and stuff but i went through that night i told him everything i did everything that happened and I looked him in the eye and I said, I'll, nothing like that will ever happen again. Like, like you will have zero problems with me. I'm not going to show up late. I'm not going to like, I will be perfect. Like there's not going to be an issue. And he just looked at me and he said, I've already talked to my AD. I've already cleared it. Like if this is the place you want to be, you could come here, you can wrestle right away. We got no issues with that. And, and he kind of threw in like wrestle Iowa next year, by the way, and this, and I was like, I walked out of there, you know, I was pretty fired up, but I tried to act like, okay, uh, you know, I'll let you know. And I remember I walked out of there, called both my parents. I was like, I'm, I'm going to South Dakota state. Wow. I guess this is where I need to be. And so uh, I told both of them, they're like, all right, well sit on it for the drive home. And, and then we'll talk when you get home. I sat on it, got home. I'm like, yep, done deal. And so I called them. I want to say that night or next day and let them know this. I'm going to go to South Dakota state. Had you ever met Bono before that? Never reader or was he not there yet 
he was there, but I'd never met him either before, so I didn't know any of them really at all. Was Reader in the meeting? Uh, nope. Wow. So it's just one-on-one truth time. And dude, you gotta, I I think I listened to this story. I'm like, your aunt deserves an award. Like to like, not only like she could have just had that conversation with you and left and left it on you, but she's like, no, we're going to do it tonight. Like she's man, that's amazing. Yeah. It's cause in right. I was at a point where like, I'll talk about it all day and these possibilities, but I I hate, I didn't want to be rejected more. It was like, man, I've already felt the pain of getting told like like i was so set on minnesota or you and i like i can't do that again like it would break me if i kept getting in. and she's like okay well what the worst is you get said no at least you turned over every stone and so it was like all right why not so when becker called you and told you that the ad was saying no was it a shock to you or like what was your reaction to that yeah it because leading up honestly it sounded like a done deal like it sounded like it was happening so i was pretty pretty shocked um, but yeah, he said the AD said not happening. And then crazy enough, um, I'm pretty sure in the next like year or two, there was like a scandal with that specific AD and he got canned. There was. Um, so I was like, yeah. Man, crazy. Man. But so crazy when, you, things. when you get down to South Dakota State, what time of year is it? I get down there probably, I want to say July, August time. I'd have to, I don't okay. know exactly the time, but there was, there was still some summer training to be done. Um, so, so how I got heavy did you come in at? So I I hadn't stepped on a scale at all. And I remember this, this is funny too. So I had just, you know, said I'm a 41 pounder. That's kind of all we'd ever talked about, about weight. And um, I hadn't checked my weight. And I go into that first workout and I actually wrestle Bono. And um, after the workout, he's like, dude, you're not a 41 pounder. What are you talking about? He's like, what do you weigh? I was like, I don't know, probably 50. After practice, he had me step on the scale. I was 168. Holy shit. After practice, I could have been even more than 170. And he you were was, way more than 170, bro. You had to be no, like 174. I had to have been. And he, he was like, you better get going. <laughs> you better get going. What did um, you do? But, did you just start going lean from that point on? Yeah. And a lot of it, like I hadn't been working out at all. I hadn't been doing anything. A lot of it shredded off pretty, pretty dang quick when I was, I mean, uh, to be honest, that was something like still looking back, like those preseasons at South Dakota were some of the hardest preseason I have ever been through. Like we, we went through the grinder, so it came off pretty easy. It tested me and yeah, it was tough. And, and even, even once I got there and was going through that, I, I still didn't know if I was built for this, this whole division one wrestling thing. What were you guys doing? Oh, we would be up at 5.45 a.m., like, all preseason. We'd be doing hills. We'd be doing stadiums. We'd be in doing five-mile runs. We'd be hand-fighting and doing sprints and then hand-fighting, like, anything you could imagine. It was freaking, like, a war zone out there. It was, it was brutal. And I remember, like, my for one of my first runs out there, so we went through a hard practice in the wrestling room. After, we'd always do this. It was the Perkins run. We'd run. It's about a mile to Perkins, a mile back. So you'd, you'd go through your workout, and right after, go run to Perkins, come back. And uh, I was not ready for that. I didn't know it was coming, but Bono and Reed were actually gone. So they're like, all right, Perkins run. We had one of the one of the other coaches there. Uh, I forget his name right now. But uh, sends us out on the Perkins run, and me and this other kid, for whatever reason, were – not having it that day and so we start this run and right when you go there's this huge group of trees and um we were in the back right we were late started we ran 
and we actually hid in this uh group of trees right here we just sat there waited um waited till everybody's getting back and we were we were dummies because we try to jump out like in the top part of the pack and like act like we fit and like sprint to the finish and uh yeah no nobody was having that like we got yelled at by everybody on the team and uh then 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 the coach that was there like grabbed me and freaking he's like all right I guess I have to run this whole thing with you. And so I had to go all the way there again with it. Well, go there for the first time with him, him following me the whole way. And they, they tell Bono. I think he found out about that. You know, he was not, not too happy. That's not a tough too look. happy. That, That's a tough that look. Was, that was, yeah, 170 pound me feeling sorry for myself. But <laughs> yeah, I remember. Oh, and, and Shop was also just getting in town too around the same time. And he, he helped me a lot through that. Like, I remember, wow. I don't know what it was, but I was always back of the pack runner, back of the pack runner. And one day he was just running to running with me and trying to push me a little bit. And uh, he just kind of convinced me like, dude, running's a hundred percent mental. Like, are you just mentally this, this mentally weak? And uh, like, kind of just telling me like, dude, just run faster. It's that easy. And whatever, it kind of flipped a switch. And I went from being one of the worst runners most that year to like, kind of from that point on, I was in the front of the pack and it really, whatever reason he convinced me that like, Hey, it's just that you're being weak minded right now. Like dude, start running faster. Bro. Isn't it crazy how it's so cliche, how mental it is though. Like it's just a mental decision. Especially running. I think running is one of the best things you can do for your mentality. Like Mm. by far, like, like at the end of the day, it's a hundred percent here. Like you can tell your body to keep pushing through, right? You could, but yeah, that's, that's, that's like, I don't love like running as far as I don't think it's the best thing for getting in wrestling shape. Like people talk about, you know, getting in shape. I don't think running is necessarily a great, like prepare. It's, it's good, but not, not the best thing. Like you got to wrestle to be good at wrestling shape, mm-hmm. but mentally, man, what running can do for you is, is next level. And so once you come back, you go through that crazy, that crazy uh, preseason. You're in the lot. You wrestled that year, right? Or did you train only a whole year? I wrestled that year. Yep. So you actually you make the blood round at 141, and then when did you decide to go down to 133? Um, yeah. So yeah, I, I mean, I did make the blood round, but that first half of the season was rough, rough. I was like six and eight to start the year, and uh, oh, wow, I didn't realize up. that was some doubt, self doubt creeping in. Oh yeah, I was this close to to quitting halfway through the year. I told my dad I was quitting, and um, what happened? So I, was, I was six and eight. I just wasn't doing well. One, I was probably bringing my weight down pretty dang fast, like because I had to make weight. So my body probably wasn't set to be one forty one. But I went to the Iowa State Open, and I lose first round there, second first or second round to some Iowa kid. Um, so that, that was a stinger. And then on the backside, I ended up getting pinned by, uh, a kid who was like a middle of the road, Juco kid. Like he wasn't, wasn't very good, but I get stuck. And I remember just like, <laughs> they probably were thinking it, but like, I could just tell, like looking over at Bonehorn Reader, they're like, well, what did we just, <laughs> what did we get ourselves into here? And, uh, my dad had came out to watch and he kind of grabbed me after the match. We went and got subway and I, I was just like, I don't know if I'm built for this. Like, I don't know if I can do this. And he kind of told me like, man, maybe you can, but you can't quit now. Like let, let get through this year. And I want you to just get, get a little better each day and see where it takes you. 
And, you know, I didn't want to, I, I was really just ready to like, I want to be done with it. And he was just like, let's just, let's just keep, keep progressing, do your best, have fun, try to enjoy it. You like wrestling and uh, see where it takes you. And I put my head down and, and try to just focus on getting a little better each day. And it was still rough for a few weeks. And then I think uh, it was right around Christmas time is where, where it really kind of shifted for me. Uh, I had first, first semester was rough. And then that second half of the year, I kind of went on a really good run. And uh, I think I only lost four matches the rest of the year. Once that second semester hit. Wow. Did you win the big 12s? I lost to Dean Heil in the finals. Okay. Yeah, and two-time yeah. national champ at the time, probably. Yeah, yeah. Wow. So, yeah. So, when did you like really get close with Reader and Bono? Like, was it right away, or did it, like was there a couple moments later on? Um, it was kind of yeah. I mean, I just felt like when I got there, I owed a lot to them, mm-hmm. and that was kind of like a big piece, like that. That I would do anything for those guys. Like these were the two that gave me a chance at the end of the day. And so I felt that way. And, you know, as things kind of progressed and stuff and, you know, we got to start traveling more together and stuff. It just kind of naturally got to be closer and closer with them. And uh, yeah, then it was that summer, I think a big, you know, we got to travel out to the junior open when I cut down for the first time to 132, and I got a big win making a world team, which was huge for South Dakota state university at the time that hadn't had much success um, they hadn't had an all American at the D division one level yet. So making a world team and having those guys in the corner, you know, really, really just was wow. the huge, huge thing. Who'd you beat to make that? Uh, Mitch McKee. It was oh. a pretty, I, I think Yanni was supposed to be in that bracket. He got sick the day of Nick Lee was in that bracket. Um, it, it was loaded. It was loaded. It was a good, good bracket, but yeah, I ended up, and I had to go through the meat grinder. Mitch pinned me in the finals at like the junior U.S. Open. So he got to sit out to the finals. I had to wrestle the whole gauntlet that day. And then it was that same day. Then you have to wrestle the best of three. So I'd wrestled like five matches. Then I had to go wrestle Mitch. And we we had the craziest uh, best of three series. I beat him the first one. He beats me the second one. And then the third one, I was down 10 to two. And I ended up coming back winning like with, five seconds left on the clock Bro, so what? Like one of the craziest series ever and like so i had like eight matches or something crazy that day so, so at was, that point you're back man you, you've made it to the nationals you, you're in the blood round you've turned yourself around then you cut down even further and make a junior world team which is that's high high level the following year of all people you wrestle an iowa guy in the finals is this not the the craziest thing that's ever kind of lined up for you yeah, it was crazy. It was, it was, you know, I mean, I, as the year progressed, you know, I saw it could have happened. And like, we actually wrestled Iowa at home versus South Dakota State. So like that whole week, it was kind of being hyped up like me versus Corey Clark. And right that the story that week was like, Seth Gross redemption, this and that. And like, a lot of build up like, prior teammates etc and then he ended up being he had his shoulder issues so he didn't even end up wrestling but it was kind of that that times a million once NCAA finals come you know we kind of like what are the chances of that you know you build up you wrestle a guy you used to train with and uh yeah it was it was crazy when you talk about an absolute legend and Corey Clark I mean I was coaching some guys in Iowa at the time and you know he's a four-time state champ 
he even put the wood on like at the time in Illinois, Jared Cortez was like legendary and he yeah. even beat him at Fargo. And I was like, Oh my God. Yeah. So had you wrestled Clark in matches before? Or was that your first actual match? Just practice. Yeah. Just that freshman year wow. I wrestled in practice. I never wrestled him in a match. He was, I want to say he was always, I was 38. He was probably a little smaller than me for in, in high school. And then he was 125 his first couple years in college or whatever it was. And then, yeah, we both end up at 33. Right. It's crazy. Cause he was 25. I was a 41 pounder. Mm-hmm. Boom. We both go down away, both make the national finals. And uh, hey, there we were. What are you feeling like inside your head? Like before the finals, like in the, in the moments before the walkout or like the 20 minutes before the match, are you feeling pretty good or what, what's that emotion? Like I it was it was a pretty interesting one for me because like I said that like, I, I I like teched and majored my way into the finals that year like I was wrestling the best Damn. I'd ever wrestled and right I make the finals I had just beat Kid Rock like 11 to 2 um and, and this is like like I beat Eric Montoya I majored him like 10-0 I major Cade Brock. Those two had both beaten Corey like the last two, three weeks of the season. And uh, so I was wow. like sitting pretty good, feeling pretty good about myself. And then um, it was just like, I get off the mat. The first thing is, you know, people start bringing up, you know, my time in jail and people start kind of bringing up the redemption story. And what does it feel like to do this? You know, it wasn't like, Hey, you're wrestling well or any of that. And like, so my mind kind of shifted to the wrong place and it kind of was bringing back all that stuff and it, whatever. I, I don't think I was in the best spot mentally, right? Like I knew what I was capable of. I knew I could beat him, but, but I was really spending the energy in the wrong way. I, you know, for honestly looking back, like I probably should have just walked out of a lot of those, those interviews, like just, you know, cause it, I was putting energy into the wrong thing at the time and, and you start overthinking and uh, it's just, I wasn't in the best spot. And uh, that was the first time, like uh, that year I was, you know, in my, my last, the year I won it, we're probably the best shape I've ever been in, in, in my life. Like I felt amazing. I was exhausted one minute into my finals match. Isn't exhausted. it weird that happens, dude? That happens when you're too, I mean, whether it's Gable wrestling Owings or anyone, they say that. Mm-hmm. it's like I was so mentally drained that I just it was out and it, and then after the match I, I vividly remember I sprinted off I went to this back room I jumped on a bike and I biked for like an hour straight and I wasn't wasn't tired at all but it was like I went out there and I was just mentally drained that like I was exhausted a minute in and I, I couldn't couldn't figure it out couldn't flip the switch and he ended up riding me out for the win and yeah, you got it done, but it was, it was, yeah, it was tough. It was tough, tough one to, you know, swallow, swallow the pill of that one. And yeah. How much did you think about it? Like, let's say it's like Tuesday after you know, nationals on Saturday, you get back to South Dakota state. Are you down in the dumps about it for a while? Or is it motivating you right away? Both kind of both. I mean, I was immediately motivated. Like I said, I was freaking the bike. Yeah. Biking right after and like, it was probably an unhealthy type of motivated. Like now that next year I wanted in the worst way to just dominate everybody I wrestled. And so I had a big chip on my shoulder, which I, I think I was a little overboard, but it, how, you know, sometimes, how so? sometimes you need that. I just, I kind of, 
I'd say relationship wise outside of wrestling, like I didn't give anything, any, anybody else time. Like I was doing good in my, you know, I'd go to church, wrestling school and that, that was it. Like nobody else got time. Like I was probably not talking to my family too much. Like, like that was it. I'm going to do this. And that was like the only thing on my mind. Right. And I think I could have probably still done it and still, you know, been yeah. a little more communicative and better in relationships and stuff at the time. But it was like, I was obsessed. Like, like I, I, I want, like, I remember going into these, that, that next year is like, I literally want to pin everybody I wrestle. Like that was what I was telling people in interviews and like, yeah, that, that that's where I was at. Like I was so like that summer of training, I don't think I've ever gone harder than I did that, that entire summer. I love the, the it kind of reminds when you said that it just reminded me of like when John Smith redshirted and he was just training all summer and he went to the Goodwill games and won and he was like just doing a lot in his own. What was your summer routine? Like, like take us through like you wake up and what were you doing? Yeah, it was pretty. I mean, I would lift, I was lifting three times a week. I was running a lot at the time. Um, then we'd wrestle. I mean, there, our guys were around all summer. Like we would have one block of time where, where I think it was like, um, three, four weeks off the guys could go home or whatever. I didn't, I didn't go home at all. Like that's what I like that year. I didn't go home for Christmas. I didn't go home for Thanksgiving, but it, you know, I was wrestling what? five days. I was wrestling five days a week or more in on top of that, like doing technique with guys, like, you know, if, and if guys weren't around, I'd grab AJ shop, I'd grab Bono, make them wrestle me. Like I was in there nonstop. And yeah, like I went, I take that back. I think I went home early on the 24th and then went back like early on the 25th. And that was like my Christmas break. Um, but I like, like, and everybody else was like set, like you guys can go home on the 20th, come back the 26th. I was like, no, I'm staying here. Like, this is my time to get ahead. Everybody else in the country is going home for these days. I'm staying here and I'm going to outwork them. And that's kind of the spot I was in at the time. Like, I just, I, I don't know. I, it's something I felt I needed to do. Well, it's cool because that's the year you went up to wrestle Meredith. You were just in warrior mode that year. Mm-hmm. And, and yeah, and that's like, that was a big piece of why I did it. It's like South Dakota State, we had actually a decent schedule, but I was. I was crushing guys and I hadn't had anyone who had really pushed me all that much that year. And they're like, let's, let's get you like, let's get you a good match where somebody's going to push you to your limit. And like, then we can figure out how to build off of this. And uh, so that's what we did. I bumped up and I lost that, that one point or close match to Meredith and kind of even bumped me up, like even another level end of the year, like, all right, you're not, you're not, you need to get better. Well, it's cool because that, was around. I, I don't know how good South Dakota State was, but there was definitely some momentum for the team at that time, right? Like there was changing, like really big changes taking place. Yeah, yeah. Because the year before, I was the first All American, first national finalist. Um, and I think we were maybe like top twenty team. And then we were we were we knocked off a couple people in duels, so we were ranked maybe ten to fifteenth in the country. And then the cool thing about the duel with Bryce is it was on in the middle of the week. It was a Wednesday. And so there was no other wrestling going on. So everybody in the country was tuning in to watch mm-hmm. Wyoming and South Dakota state two two small, small schools go at it. And so it was, it was cool. It was, you know, it was huge for the program. All eyes finally, you know, I know before I sent an email to coach Bono, I didn't even know South Dakota state was a division one team. Right. So I, I didn't even know at that time. And, you know, and now, now, you know, fast forward, now everybody in the wrestling world is watching South Dakota state and Wyoming. So it was, it was a huge, 
Houston. And even even further, look at their practice facilities now. I mm. mean, like, dude, what what that crew that you three did and all your teammates did, and and now what Coach Han's taken on and, and run with it, it's a wrestling school now. Like, that's a legitimate exactly. option for guys. Yep, and that that was the best thing about it is that fan base and that community is they're wrestling, like you said, they're they're it's a wrestling town. Like they love their wrestling, and so it was yeah, it, it was amazing, and you know, and then finally you know, fast forward, I get get it done that year and uh, get to bring home their first national title, Division One in any sport, you know, back back to Brookings. So it was wow. it was amazing. That's amazing, man. That that's a great way to wrap this up. It's been so fun to hear your story, man. It's just. I know you've done, there's like another two hours of Seth, the international wrestler, Seth, the coach. I want to hear about the recruiting, but man, this has been a, it's been so fun to have you on here. I, the one thing I was going to ask you about, we haven't hit on though. Just remind me real quick. What happened in that Tariq Wilson match? When Was that at nationals or is that a duel? That was, that was national semifinals the year I won it. What the heck was happening in that match? Oh man. So that's... Didn't he take you down like five times? Yep. So Right, it looked, you know, that's kind of right. I ended up having back surgery that that next year. Um, oh, that's wow. kind of so that's that's the year I, I medical and I had kind of had some beginning symptoms of like the disc slippage, and so yeah. that's what ended up happening when I had the surgery. My disc completely slipped out of place, and so I was having some early, early symptoms that year, and it was pretty crazy, like. A big 12s and then this is why looking back like that year i think i overtrained myself kind of like i said i was a madman mm-hmm. and right you know I, I didn't know when to relax i was training through big, the big 12 tournament to like like what do you, you know there's a time to taper down and, and get feeling good and by the end of the year there's like you go watch a couple of my even my match that big 12s but i would get kind of some pain just going down my legs and i for whatever it could not move my feet very well and I remember going into that match, like I'm just trying to hype myself up. I'm doing fast feet, like trying to get my feet moving. And they're just like, hey, hey, I don't know if you ever had that feeling. Oh, yeah. Where like, your reaction is just like a second behind everything that's happening. Like I'm drilling and I'm trying to get it going. And like, I remember I'm grabbing, I had this kid, uh, this kid named Zeke Andrade with me, like warming me up for my matches. And I was like going live on him, trying to get my feet to work, like, like trying to push it. And they just won't get going. I was like, man you got to figure this out. And, and uh, so I go out there, he takes me down right away. Um, I think I, Oh yeah, I escape. He takes me down again. I reverse him luckily at the end of the period. So it's four, three um, second period comes around. He defers. And so this, this was a huge, like, are you going to go down get your escape? Or are you going to go on top and, and turn this guy? And luckily I, you know, I give give the thumbs up. I pick the top position. I turn him for four. So now I'm up seven to four. I lock in my ride time. And uh, then third period, um, he chooses neutral, ends up taking me down three more times in like the last 25 seconds of the match. Were they hitting you for stalling? They didn't hit me for stalling because he was literally, it was just take down up, take down up, take down up. And like, I was, I was still like, like I said, I, you know, I, I live with guys on my legs. So I was kind of still, I was pushing into him, but then he, he'd dive under me. So mm-hmm. he takes me down three times in like the last 25 seconds to push it into overtime. And um, I forgot I, it went into he, OT. Yeah. I think one thing that mentally hurt, like for him, right? All the momentum, the whole crowd's on his side cheering like crazy, like momentum's completely this way. 
but he thought he won the match in regulation. Like he thought that he had the oh. match winning takedown. Like you could see in the video, he kind of like celebrates, like thinks he won. And then the ref's like, all right, back to the middle, back to the middle. And um, he dives in kind of on that same single leg that he, that he had gotten me with a few times. And, and finally this time I get my knee to the mat um, and I hit my little, my little belly wizard thing. And I ended up uh, stepping over on the bundle and, and, and pinning him uh, in <laughs> overtime. And so wow. my first takedown, my first takedown of that match came in overtime. So that's just gutting it out, dude. That's literally yeah. just God, that's crazy. Yeah, talk talk about winning ugly, but yeah, you know, got got it done. Man. Well, that's that's a crazy I just don't remember all the ins and outs of it like that, but I do remember that match just in my head. So I just couldn't remember exactly how it went. But no, I oh, yeah. I appreciate you, man, going down the memory lane on that. That was fun. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, I appreciate you having me on. And yeah, we'll have to do it again sometime. Folks, thanks for listening to the Wrestling Change My Life podcast. To support the show, please go to our online store and check out our merch. It's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. We have stickers, hoodies, t-shirts. Again, it's store.wrestlingchangemylife.com. Check out the merch store. And we'll see you next time on Wrestling Changed My Life. Peace!